0: and welcome to The Courageous Mama. Last week we looked at generations research. Who are millennials? Who are Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z or Gen Z? Most of you will have Gen Z kids, that is to say under the age of 24. But some of you do have a millennial or two. I've got one. So it was great to look at the research and understand what that all means for them culturally. What are the different ways that they see the world according to their formative common experiences and influences? So this week I want to dial all of that research and information into some practical things that we can do at home to increase our children's sense of belonging so that we remain to be that place of influence, of acceptance, of safety as they immerse themselves in their world and their online world. One of the major pieces of research that's emerged is that in spite of all the screen distractions out there, the celebrities, the tribes, the polarized views and the overbearing perspectives, the invitations to belong and follow, we, parents, are still our children's greatest influence by miles. I found that really, really encouraging. So this week I'm homing in on what we can do intentionally, what we can intentionally put into family life, how we can use that influence to build up our children's self-worth as they head out into a sea of strong opinions, alluring sights and convincing voices. You'll know if you listened to last week's podcast that I gleaned much of my generation's knowledge through conversations with my friend Alice Bond. She and her husband have two Gen Zs and she's a mine of information. And much of last week's explanations were based on her findings. But she ended with this fascinating analogy.
1: And then my analysis of that was an image of the Australian outback that my husband, he he worked there for a year. and, And I think this is in their history. There were two ways of looking after cattle. You had one where you had any kind of fence around this massive area where the cattle roamed. And then the other one was you have a waterhole in the middle and essentially the waterhole they, go, they don't wander off because they need the water. So they come to the water hole, they don't need a fence. And my a general conviction over parenting is to create the water hole, live mm. out of their own convictions, not out of the fence, because the fence won't be there when they've grown up and left home.
0: So I wanted to know how she kept her home that alluring watering hole. So I started by asking her about one of the things that they'd focused on in lockdown as a family, their family mission statement. It's from
1: you, thank you.
0: <laughs> That's great. So it's a starting point for belonging, isn't it? Well, why don't you describe it, you know, how you're doing it?
1: Yeah, it's really special. Where we went through a season where, sort of, once a week we'd meet up and just kind of, firstly, we'd dream the five of us and put down what we wanted our home and family to be like. And then the next week, I think the children read out theirs and and Jemima kind of took notes and then the next week, Chris and I, ours, and, and we tried to kind of get a general sense. We saw some threads coming through and then the next week we sort of distilled it. So now we are sort of in a, a general sense of agreement and excitement. Yeah, this is who we are. This is our shared Way we want to do life and see the world, Um, whether we're together in the home physically as family, or whether we're apart. This is part of our DNA, if you like. And then we we'd like to somehow with this is real time, kind of get it on somewhere that looks that looks kind of nice and helpful around the house and put it on a wall somewhere, maybe, or maybe just remind each other of it. And 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 I think I have to say, I think it was a rich year. COVID. It's been really challenging for so many reasons and so many ways. Um, at so many levels and I never want to undermine that but it's all about finding the gold and this this rich year has meant I think it's been the perfect backdrop to do a family mission statement because we spent a lot more time together we spent a lot of time getting to know each other in this new season of all our lives and and just kind of regrouped I guess so coming to the end of that in this last lockdown period having those weeks doing it just felt quite natural and organic and just to encourage anyone uh, the first people who inspired me was Madeline but they, they took nine months and then Guy and Tanya apparently took two years but I know all their children Guy Tanya West has previously on this podcast took two years and all their children are absolutely they're adult now and fantastic and, the, and their grand, Guy and Tanya are grandparents as well so it, it, even if it never gets on paper even if it t- feels like it takes ages there's power in those moments where you process together as a family who are we what are our mm-hmm. values how are we going to do life in this world
0: It's really bonding. And as you say, it took us ages. I thought we'd nail it in a couple of sessions. And what it did is it all gathered around a mutually interesting conversation. And when issues come up in the week and somebody thinks this and somebody thinks that, you can say, well, is that something we want to put in our mission statement? Is that something we feel strongly about? And it becomes relevant Mm. and usable during the, the weeks in between. We didn't do it every week. What other things do you think are bonding and also press into this business of helping our children to get that strong sense of belonging in the family space?
1: I think that's a great question, Madeleine, think you've absolutely nailed the, the issue of our times is, is as parents and, you know, extended families or grandparents, whoever's listening to this podcast, knowing that we have a role to create a belonging. And I think the biggest thing is posture, an internal posture that overcomes the insignificance that we can't bring anything to the next generation or our children, we're not as exciting as smartphones or celebrities, we're not as this, we're not as that. Just break it all and know from our children's perspective, we are significant in their eyes for better or worse. Mm -hmm. And so therefore let's be present when it matters, when it's late at night with the deep conversations, let's earn trust through having integrity and authenticity and say, sorry, immediately when we know we've messed up, which I know that you've, you've talked about that as well let's be fully ourselves but it's that posture of significance I am a significant player in the well-being of my children's life and then live out of that posture of Mm -hmm. I am significant I am present I am connected I'm engaged and I think then on top of that you've probably got some, some brilliant ideas practically some what are some of the things that you've talked about in previous podcasts about ways to create that that belonging
0: well, it's interesting. You should ask that because when I was doing the book, I wanted to make belonging the first chapter. I didn't mm. think that within three years' time, actually, it was going to be the biggest thing that was opposing family life. And so, interesting. Including, okay. I would put into belonging, you know, gathering as a family and giving the small voices space to be heard, yeah. and making sure that the little ones are being listened yeah. to, and asking the family to contribute to ideas, hmm. so it may be yes. that you don't act on everything that they've suggested but their suggestions feed into your decision making so that yes. they know that they have a voice in family life because I think you're attracted to places where you have a voice so if you're not getting a voice at home because everyone's too busy to sit down and ask everyone their opinion and I yeah. know some parents will say to me that's very time consuming isn't it and I'll say it is but you'll reap what you sow because if they don't get heard at home they're going to go and find the tribe totally. you get heard or they get agreed with so I would yeah. say that's one of the things yes
1: that's strong when that's really good
0: for their opinions in the smallest of things you know you're on the way to the shops you know <sighs> oh, I'm just gonna to have to pick up some vegetables tonight do you think we should have peas or carrots Everyone that's says, good I like that it's not just should we go to France or Italy or camping down yes. there, but what ice cream shall we get to pudding? Making sure that yeah. is part of the belonging. Because when I first did the chapter on belonging, I asked each of my children, what does belonging mean? Mm. One of them said, belonging means that I have a voice in the group I belong to. So I really remembered that. That's good. That was profound. I think he was about 12 at the time. That's
1: incredibly self-aware, isn't it? Yeah. And I would a- answer to the parent who said, Wow, that's a lot of time. I think it's a false economy not to do anything else. We've only got one shot at this and it is the most costly thing we'll ever do. But if we pay a price in terms of time and resources and money, we will reap, I think, secure people who are able to have nuanced discussions, be emotionally intelligent, navigate their way in the world well. We know the outcomes. And I'm realizing more and more one of the biggest flaws in our culture Is the idea that if it feels good do it and if it doesn't feel good don't do it because we know it doesn't work with people like athletes or people who build businesses or people who actually live and make difference in the real world we know that almost the opposite if it feels hard it feels costly but you know where you're going but you've got the end in mind you do it i remember mo farah to this day talking he got multiple goals he was a great athlete still is and I remember him saying, you know, this made all those days when I got up at 6am and I ran in the rain and all my friends were in, in bed lying in. It just makes it all worth it for this moment. And I think that's being a parent. All those late night chats, all that humility, humbling ourselves, saying sorry when we've messed up, all that overcoming our insignificance and rejection and being present and engaged. All of those moments where we say, do you want carrots or pe- all of that we will have these moments of gold which I'm sure you already are there at where we're like it's worth it what else would we be living for why why else are we we here other than the privilege of, of building resilient emotionally intelligent powerful children into adults but if the parents analysis is right it, it is costly I think it's good to to say and it may we may not feel like it but I've never seen anything that's worked really well that hasn't had an overcoming involved in the backstory.
0: And I really want to back something that you said earlier, that we are the most important voice in our children's lives. I think Mm, when I get down to brass tacks with parents and there's an issue at stake, it is usually that they think they're not the biggest influence in their child's life
1: and we yeah. don't
0: look like we are most of the time because they mm. appear to be more interested in screens or their friends yes and yeah. therefore we do really underestimate that actually our voice is going in our affirmation things that we speak over them absolutely really, i always sort of you know like to think of it in terms of there's a weight to our words yes that a friend can never match so yeah, you say something really affirming and something specific, not like just you're wonderful, but I love the way mm. you do that and dot dot. Yeah. So that has gold to it, and it lasts yes. in a way that a friend's will feel important at the time, but it's much more fleeting. Totally. Thing, going back to what you said earlier about what can you invest in family life, I think the ability to go wrong is underestimated. Nice. Yes, that's good. <laughs> The minute you think you're not good enough, you're not measuring up, they're yes. disappointed with me, you start to peel away and go and find those other tribes. But if Yes, you're that's home good. You, or you can mammothly fail and know that does not impact my parents' love for me. Yes. I I can, and what I do can be two yes. things. You know, yes, you made a mistake, but you are still loved to the same point. Totally. And the only way I think we can do that is to accept that we are flawed and accept our mistakes and be careful with our language in not saying yes. I am, but saying mm. I did. So let's say, you know, you yeah, that's nice. the floor, instead of saying, yes, oh, I'm so stupid, saying oh, yes. I really yeah. redri- that I didn't dry my hands before I picked up that pot and my children will pick me up for this. Johnny will go, no, you're not, mummy, remember Aww, <laughs> what you did? That's amazing.
1: That's where we come back to um, creating this, this environment where the reason we don't think we're significant is because we know we're flawed. And we have to understand There are two different issues. We are significant and we're flawed. And our houses, our homes are going to be significant and they're going to be flawed and our children are going to be significant and they're going to be flawed. If we can't be significant and flawed, we, do, we either create a perfectionist environment for our children or an environment of, 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 of real chaos. So I think it's exactly that. It's us all living with that bizarre paradox that we have incredible influence and yet which if we know what we're like. We know we're messy. We know we're complicated and nuanced. And so it's that permission And I think it starts with us role modelling. Do you know what? And I've said this actually to my children, I mess up a lot. But actually, in the end, you just have to trust. I've got your best interests at heart on this one. Do you trust me? And actually, when I say that, they do say yes. But I think it helps that I say I mess up a lot. You know, it's that kind of you can still trust because in the end, deep down, I still, you know, we're still on the same side. I'm doing this not for my benefit, but for yours. Yeah. Um, so absolutely, and I, I, I have to say, this is this is a bit of a a kind of a different way of looking at it. Maybe more a negative framing, but having processed with a lot of people's stuff over the years, and and, and quite not in any way, I'm not a trained counsellor or anything like that, but just the depths of people's pain and wounding into their 40s but 50s 60s 70s they still refer to their parents they don't refer to that friend they had when they were 16 they don't refer Mm. to the the person that whatever that did this they they it's whether their parents were present or absent and whether it was the words their parents said I mean it is extraordinary how much that significance lasts and I know that sounds more like the downside but what I want to say is that this moment we've got an opportunity now to say okay that is what it is we just have to make peace in their 60s and 70s and 80s that that we will still be that that thing in their head that was their mother that was their father there wasn't all their mother figure or father figure there wasn't kind of anyone else who, who filled that slot so it that's why we need to be significant now because we are significant it's not we're trying to conjure it up it just is the way it it is and I remember when I was young it felt like my parents were gods you know it was just they were so big weren't they when you're very little Mm -hmm. and so exactly what you're saying absolutely what you're saying is just creating that environment of safety of honesty of vulnerability but also saying I've got your back especially when they're younger it's like I really have got your back there are things I know about that you don't know about please trust me and then of course as they get older dialoguing that a bit more until it's the inner conviction of the well within and they make their own choices but that that kind of conviction that this isn't an accident I this isn't all some sort of weird sort of chemical moment you are my children and I am significant in your lives and I will take that seriously but I will also admit my flaws and my weaknesses Mm. as and when I need to and is appropriate to help build trust
0: and the beauty of accepting your own flaws and weaknesses and letting them know that you see theirs but love them anyway is they don't then have to feign perfection. I think we yes. talk about yes. unconditional love, don't we? And in yes. years, you, know, you know you've been in that situation where perhaps there's been a, a difficulty between your child and another child and you know yeah. your strengths and weaknesses but the other parent knows their child's strengths but cannot yeah. with the fact there might be a weakness there. Yeah, I think that's the point where a child feels you love the version of me you want me to be. Yes, but I want yeah. you to love the version of me that gets it wrong, stuffs up, exactly, and anyway. And then we're back yes. on brown territory. Yes, here, aren't we? Lovable, worthy of love, even when exactly, hmm.
1: yeah. And some of us may have to do a lot of our own work if we were brought up in a critical environment to not worry about the few years that we've parented critically. There's nothing helpful about doing that, apart from a brief reflection of we can draw a line in the sand. But now on, we can start to deal with the reasons why we're critical and not be critical to our children. Just make that decision. That's the beauty of our neuroplasticity. We can just change. As soon as we know, okay, my childhood wasn't, I don't want to, you know, people say they turn out like their mother or the father and there's some bits of that which are great and others which aren't so great. We don't have to as soon as we're self-aware we don't have to be like that we can walk in the opposite and become people of not not as you say general positivity but specific positivity if, if there is a specific thing to affirm and or specific honesty or vulnerability so for those listening who are like oh my gosh I was I grew up and this was my environment and now I speak you know out of that Don't worry about it at all. There's so much room for manoeuvre in this, but there is a moment where we can change. And that's the excitement. That's the exciting invitation of of learning, of why we listen to these podcasts. So moving forward, we can be different to those negative experiences we had. We can also start to process any damage that's done, but we can still be great parents in that process.
0: And there's a big difference, isn't there, between conviction and condemnation? So you can acknowledge that there was another way to possibly do that. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, so I think Simon Sinek spoke into this about millennials, actually, that they had a childhood where it was a generally everyone's a winner. And it's actually apparently just as dangerous and negative to be generally critical of yourself and other. I was rubbish. You're amazing. Just these general positive or negative statements. But the conviction is very specific. It's like that word you spoke that was critical. Don't do that. And that's actually really liberating because you can go, okay, I won't. But the general, oh, I'm a failure, I did that, that doesn't help anyone. But conversely, just saying, I think you're amazing. Apparently, I didn't realise this is one of the, the challenges that the, of the millennial generation is they were brought up with everyone's a winner. But they knew deep down when they ran that race and they all got a medal. They know the best runner in the class and actually it undermined everyone's self-esteem by not acknowledging the person who got, should have got the gold, which is really interesting. So I think we have to be both very specific with our self revelation, our self-awareness, conviction as you say in, in those words conviction rather than general shaming and we also have to be very specific in our our words of praise and encouragement that they're very specific this the way that happened was because a general statement apparently can be ultimately damaging and it's quite lazy actually I know when I do it I'm not being thoughtful I'm being generally like oh let's create a nice atmosphere and just use words rather than thinking very specifically, what is it that you did that was a real overcoming then? And I can speak into it and encourage.
0: And overcoming is such a good word because you're into the growth mindset area. Yes,
1: to to Gen Z, that's what they love. The authenticity of me saying, actually that that word was critical is is better for self-esteem and this conversation about building emotional intelligence and resilience and powerful adults than to say either generally, you are a critical person, that was rubbish. Or, oh, don't worry about it. It's that, uh, you know, some of the best feedback I've ever got. It's been tough. It's been specific, but it's been tough. Not easy to hear, but I'm honestly grateful because
0: yeah. because we can't tell unless someone tells us. When you really want an honest opinion, you're going to go back to that person. An
1: exactly. Honest that's honest exactly opinion. it. They built trust with me.
0: Yes. Yeah. As parents, totally. we need to be that one. They'll come back to Yeah. I know what, I'll ask yeah. mom. <laughs> that's
1: it, well, that's it. And also, because we're in relationship with them, it's not kind of, you know, some tweet from someone we don't know. Actually, a lot of the wounding that historically has come around and why we responded flung to this millennial praise everyone thing is, is because... We are, we are trustworthy people in their lives. We're kind, we've laid down our lives to them, we've served them, we want them to you know, flourish under our care. So actually it's like a garden, isn't it? We treat them really well and we just prune the little bits that need pruning and weeding. That's the kindest thing. We're, we're relationally connected to them and therefore we've earned the right to do that in a way that I think people who aren't as, as connected it hurts and it doesn't have that that safe space with it so yeah I think this is exactly where parents play a really critical role in the parenting of Gen Z it's fantastic and then it also trains them to discern the difference between cyberbullying and and genuinely helpful constructive you know specific yes I don't like the word criticism constructive criticism but you know feedback they can <laughs> tell the difference <laughs> because they know they've received it in love at home Therefore, they know the other thing isn't right. Cyberbullying is just never right. It's totally unacceptable and it should never have a space or or power in our children's lives. And if we role model the right way to do it, that will be washed off a duck's back. But if we're not making these resilient children able to have emotionally intelligent conversations, able to be self-reflective, self-aware of their strengths and weaknesses, then that comes and they don't know what to do with it. They, They haven't got that inner well to know how to handle it
0: love it building strength listening empathy accepting we're flawed letting them know that you can be loved and flawed I like to say a mistake is an event not an identity and taking that posture of just knowing and accepting that we as parents are more significant than we could ever imagine and trusting it as you build connection and if you've listened to this and you're thinking, oh, I've overcorrected my children, I haven't always listened without agenda, my praise and criticism haven't been specific enough, take that encouragement from Alice. There is always room for change. Our children will accept us as we grow into that new and improved version. Growing older is a given, change is optional. And if you enjoy growing as a parent and you love the idea of developing a sense of belonging, then you'll love my book, Parenting for Life. It's chock full of great ideas, all set in a beautiful coffee table style book with lovely photos. And you can get that for the listener's price at courageousmama.com or follow the link below in the show notes. I'll also put a link in the show notes to the podcast on making a family mission statement. You'll love it. It's great fun. And if you want to contact me, I'm easy to find. I'm the Courageous Mama everywhere. Follow me on Instagram, contact me on the blog or email me thecourageousmama at gmail.com. And if you want to know how to book a parenting session to chat about one of your children or something in family life, there's a link below about that too. And here's a question. Would you like to do a parenting course with me? It would be six sessions in my home, just small and informal, covering all of those great tools for family life and applying them to you and your family. If you're interested, then pop me an email and I'll keep you posted. And I'll see you next week.